I'm Pastor Richard Gamble, and the following message is made available by First Baptist Church of Bastrop, Louisiana. To find out more about First Baptist Bastrop, go to www.firstbastrop.org. That's www.firstbastrop.org. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. This morning we're going to look at the Christmas story, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20, and if you don't have a Bible, you can grab one of the Pew Bibles there and turn to page 805 in the Pew Bible, page 805 in the Pew Bible. And if you don't have your own Bible, then you can take that Pew Bible with you, and that's our gift to you today. We just want everybody to have a copy of God's Word. So, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. You know, Christmas is quite a busy time. We have a tendency to hustle and bustle here and there and everywhere. We go to this party and that party and this gathering and that gathering and this store to that store and all of these different things that we do during Christmas time. And, and we can, can at times lose the joy of Christmas in all the busyness of it uh, because we just get too stressed out or whatever. But we need to remember that Christmas is a time of rejoicing. It is a time of great joy. Even if we need to slow down a bit from time to time and be reminded of this, we need to remember that Christmas is a time of great joy. That first Christmas, the very first Christmas that we're going to read about today, that we're going to study today, that first Christmas, it was a a night of great rejoicing when all of the heavenly hosts join in praise and, and, and joy over the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So today, I want us to remember that. Rejoice in the good news of great joy. Rejoice in our Savior, Christ the Lord. This Christmas, remember, rejoice in the good news of great joy. Rejoice in our Savior, Christ the Lord the Lord. So today as we look at Luke 2, 1 through 20, I want us to, first of all, I want to read the story uh, because it's a good time. I think every Christmas we should read the story of, of the birth of Jesus, but I want us to read the Christmas story first of all, and then I want us to, to look at a couple of things. I want to make two observations about the good news of great joy that was delivered to the shepherds by the angels there on that first Christmas day so uh, if you found your place there and you're able to please stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's word as we read the Christmas story this morning hear the word of the Lord in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered this was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria and all went to be registered each to his own town and joseph also went up from galilee from the town of nazareth to judea to the city of david which is called bethlehem because he was of the house and the lineage of david to be registered with mary his betrothed who was with child and while they were there the time came for her to give birth and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there, were, there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, 
there were shepherds out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And Lord, we thank you for this story, this that you have revealed to us, the gospel of Jesus. Lord, that you sent a Savior to save us, to redeem us, to bring us peace. Oh, Lord, help us to, to hear this message this morning. Help us to hear this good news of great joy. Let us ponder it in our hearts. And, Lord, let us respond appropriately to it. This I pray in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. You may be seated. Well, of course, there's a lot here. There's many verses. There's 20 verses here that we've, we've read this morning, and we can't look at all of them. But uh, as we, we consider the, the Christmas story, we, we see that this is a story of the good news of great joy, right? This is a pronouncement of the good news of great joy. And I want us to take a moment to consider the content of, of this good news of great joy, the content of this good news of great joy. So we're going to look mainly at the, the message here that the angels are delivering to the shepherds. First of all, the content of the, this good news, this good news of great joy, is first of all, for all people. It is news for all people. Notice what the angel says to them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. All the people. Now, we, we kind of miss this in our day and time, but, but we see this in the context of this story as it's unfolding before us. Because who do the angels go to with this good news of great joy? They don't go to the temple in Jerusalem and pronounce it to the priest in the temple. 
right? They don't go to the king who's sitting on his throne and pronounce it to him. No, they go to shepherds out in the field watching their flocks by night. Now, the shepherds in first century Israel were on the low rung of the ladder. They were, were the lowest of the low, right? They were economically, they were on the low rung. They barely made it. They, they barely made enough of a living to, to scrape by. They were at the bottom of the barrel. But they were also despised by so many people in, in the culture around them. I mean, to be a shepherd, you were the lowliest of the low. Not only were you living in poverty, but hey, you had a bad odor about you as well. Because guess what? If you hang around sheep day and night, day and night, day and night, you're around sheep, guess what? You begin to smell like the sheep. And I don't know if you've been around many sheep, but sheep stink. And, and so here's these shepherds, and, and so they smelt like sheep. And so if, if they were to, to walk in a room, people would kind of, you stand over there, we're going to stand over here, right? They were, they were social outcasts. But they were also considered, considered to be low in moral character. They were considered to be low in moral character. I mean, this was a kind of a roughneck job, and roughneck jobs tend to attract roughneck people, and that, were, that was the shepherds. In fact, a lot of people in Israel in this day and time, they would not buy something, or at least they were very weary about buying something from a shepherd because, as the saying goes, if it came from a shepherd, it's most likely stolen. And so they weren't considered to be morally upright people. In fact, they were not allowed, shepherds were not allowed to testify in a court of law in the first century. They were that kind of people. But who does God bring this good news of great joy to first? To lowly shepherds out in the field watching their flocks by night. And we've seen this throughout the Gospel of Luke, haven't we? I mean, the first announcement was the announcement of, of John the Baptist and, and his father, Zechariah, got that announcement. He was a priest in the temple, serving in the temple, and he came and told him about the, the forerunner of the Messiah, John the Baptist. But then as we turn the page there, right, we, we moved on from Zacharias. Then we came to Mary, and Mary received the birth announcement of the Messiah, a lowly woman, a young girl, probably between the ages of 12 and 14. Here she was, a young girl. Again, women in the first century were not allowed to testify in the court of law because their testimony was considered unreliable. But yet, there again, who does God go to? He goes to the lowliest of the low, this little nobody girl from this nobody town with nobody parents. He goes to her and gives her this announcement, you're going to have a child from God who is the Messiah. And now we come to the shepherds, the lowliest of the low, and they receive this good news of great joy that is for all people. All kinds of people. I want you to know today that this good news of great joy, it is for all people. 
It is for all kinds of people. It's for those at the bottom of the rung. It's for those at the top of the rung. It is for all kinds of people. Furthermore, it's for every race. This becomes clear in a few verses later. Go over to verse 29, just a, probably a page later in your Bible there. Verse 29, this is the, the testimony, the kind of prophecy of, of Simeon. But here he says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. So in, in Israel, there were two people, two types of people. There were the Jews, the Israelites, and there were the Gentiles, everybody else in the world every other race in the world. And what do we see? This Messiah, he is not just the Messiah of the Jews, he is a, a Messiah for all peoples, even us. Every race, every creed, every tongue, every tribe, every nation, Jesus is the Messiah of all peoples. This past week in my Bible reading, I was reading through Revelation, and, and we came, I came to that one uh, one of the texts there in Revelation where John is, has a vision of the throne room of God and there was a multitude of people from every tribe, every tongue, every language around the throne of God worshiping God and Jesus Christ. They were worshiping together as one people united in Christ. The gospel isn't just for the Jews. The gospel isn't just for white people or black people or brown people. The gospel of Jesus Christ is for all people. It is good news of great joy for all. No matter what your background is, no matter what you have done in life, man, there's so many people out there in the world today that say, well, it's for everybody else, but it's not for me. You don't know what I've done. You don't know the sins I've committed. God can never love me. God can never save me. Yes, he can. He has accomplished the work. The good news of great joy, my friend, is for you. It is for you. This good news of great joy is for all people. This good news of great joy is that a Savior is born. A Savior is born. Notice what he says there. The angel said, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that is for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, we all need a Savior. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But we all are in need of a Savior. We're lost. We are condemned before a holy God. We need a Savior. And the good news of great joy is that God has sent us a Savior. He has sent us someone to save us from our greatest enemy, sin and death. Our sin and death. God has sent us a Savior. And, and look at the nature. Look at the character of this Savior. Look who this Savior is is a savior who is he is christ the lord first of all that first word there christ he is the promised messiah 
He is the promised Messiah. As the shepherds are, are hearing this word from the angel, they're, they're good Jews, right? Even though they're outcasts in society, they know the Bible. They know the, the promise of God from of old. They remember the, the promise God made Adam and Eve in the, the, the garden there in Genesis chapter 3 that the serpent seed... There would be a seed that came from the woman, and the serpent seed would bruise this, the seed of the woman, but the seed of the woman would crush the seed of the serpent. The seed of the woman would crush sin and death. They knew the promise of for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that from Abraham there would be a seed through whom all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And they knew the promise of God to David that a seed would come from David. And this seed, God would establish his kingdom. Through this seed, God would save his people and establish his kingdom as an eternal kingdom. They understood this. Even as illiterate as they were, they understood that. They knew that message. And here the angel comes and says, a Savior is born who is Christ he is the Messiah, the anointed one, the promised Messiah of God who would come and save God's people from their enemies. This is the promise, the long-promised Messiah. For over a thousand years, God had been giving revelation of this Messiah who was to come. And there on that night, those shepherds heard the good news of great joy. The Messiah has come. God's promised Messiah has come. But here's something maybe they weren't expecting. Not only is he Messiah, but he is also Lord. He is Lord. Now this is interesting here, and we kind of miss it a, a, a little bit here in the English text. The English says he is Christ the Lord. But, but in the, the Greek text, it puts those two words together. There's no the there. It, it's just Christos kurios. Christ, Christos, kurios, Lord. He is Christ Lord. He is Messiah Lord. All together. He's the same person, right? He is Christ Lord. Now, why is that significant? Why should that catch our attention? Why did that catch the shepherd's attention? Because if you go back, and, and y'all know this, we've, we've talked about it several times, right? When you go back to the Old Testament, and, and we're reading in our, our English translation of the Old Testament, every time that we come to LORD in all capital letters, what does that stand for? What is, what, what's that in place of? It's in place of the proper name of God, the covenant name of God. Some people might transliterate that this, these days as Yahweh. We don't know if that's the proper pronunciation of it or not, but, but it's the covenant name of God. And the Old Testament scribes and priests and teachers, as they would read the Old Testament back in the day in the Hebrew text, when they got to the proper name of God, they took they took the third commandment pretty seriously. They didn't want to take a chance of uttering the name of God in vain. And so instead of saying Yahweh and pronouncing the covenant name of God, they would say Adonai, the Hebrew word for Lord. And so 
when the Greeks translated the Hebrew Bible into Greek, guess what they did? Instead of printing out, writing out the, the name of God, the covenant name of God, they respected the tradition of the priests and the scribes. And, and instead of putting Yahweh there, they put Kyrios, Lord. And so as Jesus and the apostles read their Bibles, right? As they read the Bible in their day, it was in Greek. And so they, when they would read the, the covenant name of God, it was Kyrios, Lord. And again, the apostles in, uh, in the New Testament, they continued that tradition. And so when we see in the New Testament, the majority of the time we see it in the New Testament, when we see Lord in the New Testament, they're referring to God. They're referring to Yahweh. We see it here even in this, this text. If you go on down to verse 22, just reading a little section there. And when the time came for the purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, to Yahweh. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. You see, he's referring to, in the rest of the text, he's referring to Yahweh, God. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so when the angels make this pronouncement of the, the good news of great joy, they say a child is born, a Savior who is born, who is Christ, Yahweh. He's not Christ of Yahweh. He is Christ Yahweh. He is Christ the Lord who is himself Lord. He is God incarnate. Can you imagine what the shepherds thought when they heard Christos, Kurios, Christ Yahweh? Yahweh's coming? God is coming in the flesh to save us? Unto us is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ, the promised Messiah, and God incarnate, God in the flesh. What amazing, what amazing good news. That not only would God send us a Savior, but God would be our Savior. That he would humble himself and take on this old human flesh, take it upon himself, and come and do the work necessary to bring us salvation, to deliver us from our greatest enemies. Jesus is our Savior. Christ. God incarnate. So this good news of great joy is for all peoples. It is that a Savior has, who ha, has been born. Who is the promised Messiah. Who is God incarnate. And third. This good news of great joy as that peace is given 
peace is given. As we skip on down there just a bit to verse 14, where all the heavenly hosts, the multitudes of, of heaven join in the praise to God. They say, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is blessed. Peace. What is this Savior doing? How does he come to save us? He has come to bring us peace. Peace with God. Because here's the, the fact of the matter. In our natural, natural condition, we're not at peace with God. In our natural condition, we are not at peace with God. We are enemies of God. We are recipients of God's wrath. His just and righteous wrath. Ephesians chapter 2. And you were all dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course of this world. Following the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Following Satan and all of his powers. Among whom we all, Paul includes himself in that, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature, by our very nature, we were children of wrath like the rest of mankind. By our very nature, we are not God's children, we are God's enemy we are at enmity with god god despises our sin we cannot come in the presence of god because of our sin and our rebellion against a holy god we are at enmity with god children of wrath but the savior has come to bring peace peace with god jesus christ came he was born in this world and he did what we could never do. He lived in obedience to his father's will and he willingly went to Calvary's cross and there he died bearing the wrath of God in our place. He soothed the wrath of God for our sin and our rebellion so that we might have peace in him so that our sins might be forgiven so that we might, not, might no longer be children of God's wrath, but children of God. So that we might find God's favor. Christ came to bring us peace. To bring us peace with God. Oh, this good news of great joy is great news for all people. All people of every nationality, every socioeconomic group. This is good news. It's great news for all people. No matter what you've done, no matter where you are today, no matter what sin you have committed, this is good news of great joy for you. God has sent His Savior, His very Son, Jesus Christ. Just as He has been promising for 3,000 plus however many years, He sent His Savior, 
His own Son, Jesus Christ, to save you from your sin. So that you might no longer be an enemy of God, but be a child of God. If you will only trust in Him. So there we see the content of the good news of great joy. But now let's consider the response. The necessary response to this good news of great joy. Notice how the the shepherds responded to this good news of great joy. Verse 15, when the angel went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing. Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. It has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. How do they respond? First of all, they respond with faith. They believe God. They believe God. They didn't say, let's go over here and see if this thing is true. They said, let us go see this thing that has happened. We believe God. God has made this announcement to us. We believe it. We trust it. We put our faith in it. Now let's go see it. They trusted God. They believed God. And that's the first right response to the good news of great joy. Belief. Faith. You don't know how to receive this good news of great joy. You receive it with faith. Believe God's testimony. Believe that this is true. It has happened. You may not understand all the details of it. You may not understand how how did this come about? How did God uh, make the Virgin Mary have a child? How did God come in, in human flesh? How did God become incarnate? You don't know all the answers to that question. I don't know all the answers to that question. We'll never know all the questions to all those answers. But we believe it. Because God said it. And if God said it, it's true. Receive this good news of great joy with faith. But not only that, receive, <clears throat> receive it with urgency. Notice how they, the, the shepherds continued on. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. They went with haste. They moved with urgency to, to go and see this thing that the angels had announced to them. They responded with urgency. I want to tell you it's important to respond to the good news of great joy with urgency. Respond with faith with urgency because, dear friend, you are not promised the next 10 minutes of your life. You are not promised 10 minutes. In a a second, you could breathe your last and drop dead where you are. You're not promised tomorrow. Oh, we're making big plans about what we're going to do Saturday as we gather together with family and friends for a Christmas celebration. We're making big plans, but we're not promised Saturday. We might not make it to Saturday. I, I've just been, I, as I was thought about this, I was thinking about this this weekend and just thinking about how many people I buried this year who had plans about tomorrow when tomorrow didn't come. In a moment, in a second, there was no sickness. There was no, no, no long, drawn-out illness. No, they woke up one day and everything was fine. And when they went to bed that night, that they breathed their last. It was over with. Now, praise God, all of those that I'm thinking about 
They had responded earlier in life with urgency to the gospel call, and they trusted in God. And I know that today they're in heaven celebrating Christmas at the throne of Jesus. But I want you to know you're not promised the next 30 seconds of your life. You need to respond with urgency, respond in faith. There's nothing to do. You don't have to come up here and say a prayer. You don't have to do any of that. You respond right now where you are, whether you're in this building or you're watching online, wherever you are, respond right now by trusting in God that the gospel message of Jesus Christ who lived and died for you, believe it's true. Trust it's true. Put all your faith into that and you will be saved. Respond with urgency. Trust God right now. Believe in Jesus and you will be saved. They responded by faith with urgency. But then continue on and see how this all worked out in their life. And when they saw it, And they made it to Bethlehem, and they saw the baby. They made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. They made it known. They responded with a declaration. They responded with a declaration. They pronounced the good news. They they announced it to other people. They didn't hold it in to themselves. They didn't keep it to themselves. They told other people about the good news of great joy. And how that happens when we first come to faith. When we first come to faith, we're so excited. We're on fire. And we want to tell the world the good news of great joy. Hey, man, look look what I found out. Let me tell you what Jesus did for me this weekend. Let me tell you what happened to me Sunday morning. Let me tell you, let me tell you, let me tell you. But over time, over time, we lose the fire. I just wonder, when was the last time you told somebody about your faith in Jesus Christ? When was the last time you shared the good news of great joy with someone who is lost? Respond to the good news of great joy by declaring it to others. And understand, right? You need to go into it understanding that there, there's going to be multiple responses. As you do that, people are going to respond to you in different ways as they did with the shepherds. Verse 18, and all who heard it wondered at what they said. Some translations said they, uh, they were amazed at what the shepherds had said, told them. Now, throughout Luke, there's a lot of people who are amazed at the message of Jesus Christ. In fact, when Jesus starts his ministry and goes back to Nineveh and he goes to the synagogue there in Nineveh and he says he sits down with the scroll of Isaiah and he reads the scroll of Isaiah and he says gets up and says to them today this prophecy has been upheld fulfilled in your your sight I'm him right I'm the one and it it says that they were amazed at what he said they didn't believe it but they were amazed at the message and then a few lines later they were wanting to throw him off a cliff but they were amazed. You see, many people will be amazed. Man, that sounds like awesome news. It sounds great. It sounds wonderful. It sound, sounds fantastic. But many people, even though they might see it as amazing, they'll never believe it. 
There's a lot of people who are amazed at the gospel but never receive it, never trust in, in Jesus. So you're going to have those. But you're also going to have those like Mary. But Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. Now we've already seen Mary respond with faith to God's word, but here Luke just puts her up again as another example of faith. She, she stored them up in her heart. She received them in her heart and pondered them in her heart. She treasured them. There will be those whom you tell the good news of great joy. They won't just be amazed at it. They're going to store it in their heart. They're going to treasure it in their heart. They're going to receive it in their heart. They're going to believe it. And they're going to be saved. Your task is not to determine who's going to receive it and who's not going to receive it. Your task is to declare it. And let God worry about how people receive it. Declare the good news of great joy. Declare the gospel of Jesus Christ to the lost. Oh man, what a season we're in. What a great time to, to declare the good news of great joy. Be faithful this Christmas. Share Jesus with someone. Tell someone the good news of great joy. So they responded with faith, with urgency, with declaration. And fourth here, they responded with worship. They responded with worship. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen <clears throat> as it had been told them. They returned praising God they return worshiping God that's why we're here today right we're here to worship God we sang all these Christmas songs earlier and I hope you didn't just go through the motions we've heard these songs so many times over the course of our lives hopefully we didn't go through the motions but hopefully we sang those songs and worship in our hearts I pray that even now as we, we talk about this, this story, as we talk about the good news of Jesus Christ, I pray that your heart is just bubbling over with, with joy for what God has done for you. Oh, if we don't worship when we think about the good news of Jesus Christ, oh man, something's wrong. We must respond in worship. It should cause us to fall on our faces before God and give him praise and glory for all that he has accomplished for us in Christ. Oh, this Christmas, respond with the right response. Respond appropriately. Respond with faith if you've never trusted in Jesus Christ. Respond with urgent faith. Trust in Jesus. Declare Christ to the lost. And worship God for his salvation provided for us in Jesus Christ. Rejoice in the good news of great joy. Rejoice in our Savior, Christ the Lord. God incarnate. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. Oh, Lord, we do thank you for the good news of great joy. 
Lord, let us not pass this season up. What a wonderful opportunity we have all around us to share the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. During this time of celebrating his birth. So, Father, let us be faithful as Christians to to share the good news of great joy with those around us. And, Father, may we worship. May we be drawn to worship you for what you have done in Christ for us. And, Lord, certainly, if there's those today here in this place or or wherever, Lord, that they may be listening to this sermon. Lord, I hear, I pray that as they hear the, the word, your word, the word of the gospel, Lord, that they would respond with faith. That they would turn to Christ. Receive Jesus as Lord and Savior and be saved. This I pray in Christ's name.